Yeah, Jason, this is Randy. I don't know what happened on that last message. I think the new update iTunes not working out very well. I just wanted to say, keep up the good work. I don't, I think your unboxings are awesome. I love your music, which uh, I need to get in contact with TJ Drennan. Is he on the internet? Because we'd love to even do some of our music too. But anyway, uh, yeah, I just was calling. Everybody was saying, you mentioned something about possibly quitting, but I, I know you're not. So I just want to keep, uh, encourage you to keep going on and on. You're one of the dudes I really like and I like listening to your show. Keep it up, bro. Bye. Well, a pops up a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast and I ask him what you got. He said I'll start off with some talking and some movie clips of popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathons. Sometimes I'll let the box come on. Contest and of course you know what's all about games. That's the slow down. Let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Today I've got some listener calls and a session recap for you. So before I do that, let me just give you a quick update on the bike situation. We did go finish paying off my 2021 Kawasaki Vulcan S, but I left it with a dealer. I didn't ride home in the rain because we're having the factory tall windshield and something else installed. Oh, the... um light bar which basically puts two led headlights on either side of the standard headlight so we're we're getting that installed i'm going to order a cycle shell cover which is kind of like this accordion temporary storage unit it's got a floor and and basically you pull this cover over top of the bike and it covers it kind of like a cocoon and and so that's what we're going to do for a storage solution you know at home when i'm not riding it Um, of course i have a standard bike cover as well but and that's kind of the update on the bike. So I don't know how long it's going to take them to get the Kawasaki parts in and install them. So when I actually take possession of the bike and ride it home, I'll give you an update on that. Until then, I'm still using the um, oil burning van. But that's enough non-gaming talk. So let's do some gaming talk. Let's start with a session recap. Gaming recap, Call of Cthulhu. So Carl, over at the Geomologist Presents podcast, ran a game for my son and I. There's an ongoing Call of Cthulhu game we use kind of as a filler game. When we can't play a regular game, usually the Sunday morning game, then we'll play this game instead. We'll fill it, fit it in there. And different players have played with us in the past. Uh, Darren Green has played with us in the past, and Gabriel has played with us in the past. And I'm sure Carl would open that up to whoever wanted to show up um, and play, you know, one of these off days when we're playing this game. But we're playing ongoing characters. My son is playing Wyatt Dreyfus. He's a marine biologist. And I am playing Randolph West. So in, in this particular game where we got, you know, we didn't finish the scenario. We, we just started it. It's been a few months since our last adventure. A lawyer has reached out to Wyatt Dreyfus, the marine biologist, and notified. Actually, I think his mother reached out to him 
and said that there's a property in Innsmouth for their family, and she wanted him to go check it out that they just inherited, and she gave him the lawyer's information. And he and Randolph both live in New York, so he's currently a professor at Columbia, and of course Randolph West has his infamous Curio antique shop, which caused him to show up late at a previous adventure, as we've discussed quite a bit on this podcast. And and we determined, further determined this antique shop's right on the edge of Chinatown, and that Randolph is you know, has some knowledge of Mandarin and some knowledge of the Far East, and that may play into future adventures. So they they hop on the train and head up to Ipswich, which is near Innsmouth, and Ipswich is where they had their previous adventure, and they hooked up with a reporter, Elise, um, not Crawford, Crawford's, Crawford's Wyatt's mother's maiden name in this adventure, um, Elise Caldwell. Anyway, they they hook up with the local reporter they had done this previous adventure with, and she talked her editor into letting her do a an interest piece, personal interest piece. So we hop in her car. She drove us over to Innsmouth. We meet with a lawyer who's pretty well. You know, obviously the townsfolk, anybody that's any has any familiar at all with Innsmouth and Lovecraft, Call Cthulhu, know what's going on in that town. If you don't, I won't ruin it for you. But the townsfolk are all kind of weird and, you know, treat us oddly and distance ourselves, distance themselves from us. Go to the lawyer, which also happens to be the doctor's office. It's handy to have your ambulance chaser be also be your doctor, be the son of your doctor, it looks like. Um, and the, the secretary there, immediate receptionist, immediately took to, to, to our marine biologist, but he kind of shrugged her off and but he was able to kind of sweet talk her and so even though normally the this lawyer this marsh fellow wasn't available she he kind of talked sweet talked her into letting us see the lawyer so we go meet him who and he's this lecherous fellow who's ogling our reporter friend but we find out this had been the marine biologist's uh, grandfather's house and he was the last one to live there so we got the information, got the keys for the house, which is just north of town, went up, investigated the house, looked around. The most noticeable thing, picked up a couple diaries, and the most noticeable thing was that in the attic, something had been living up in the attic, and there was rotted fish and all kinds of nastiness up there, and obviously something had been locked in the attic and was stuck living up there, and it wasn't there now. And we went back into town. The grocery store was closed by the time we found found it. We found a greasy spoon diner that was open. So we got dinner and we grabbed, um, you know, some sandwiches and stuff for the next, to hold us over till the next day. Headed back for the night. Stayed up late in the night reading the diaries, which, you know, we, one was from the grandfather and one was from a wife, a young wife of the grandfather's. The wife's diary is what Randolph read and he found out that she was told to stay away from the docks and stay away from the the church where they were Obadiah Marsh you know had his esoteric order of the of Dagon and this happens after the events in the story the shadow of Rensmith so the raid the federal raid has already happened and and that's mentioned in the diary that and now maybe that Marsh and his followers have been t- hauled off to jail that perhaps 
you know, the city would, or the town would be safer. Um, and, and yeah, and, and that was kind of the, the recap. Uh, you know, my son read the, the grandfather's diary. And so I'm not sure he's got to share that, the contents of that with everybody else. So, but that is pretty much it for the recap. We, you know, it was a lot, it wasn't any combat or anything. It was all investigative stuff. It was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Carl always does a great job with Call Cthulhu. Um, so it was a, a great little session. Unfortunately, that's the only game I have to recap this week. Um, the masks game that we normally play Sunday night because Memorial Day weekend didn't happen. And as I mentioned last podcast, the other games didn't happen. So I want to expand on the science fiction, science fantasy segment from last show. But first, I think we should listen to some calls. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke put by your spouse, but the operator's screaming is coming from inside the house. Okay, this first calls from Randy of the Biggest Geekest Podcast. Also, the opening of the show there was also Randy of the Biggest Geekest Podcast. He had left me a message that was just, it was all blank. There was no audio. And so I left him a message back saying, hey, you know, just to give him a heads up in case he, did, in case he didn't intentionally leave me no audio. And he called back this one you're about to hear. And then the following day he left the one at the beginning of the show. But both of them are pretty awesome messages, so I, I figured I'd play them both. Anyhow, let's listen to what Randy has to say. Hey, Jason, it's Randy again. Um, I don't know what episode it was. I've got a new update on my iTunes, and I'm not managing the iTunes podcast very well, so I apologize for that. But, dude, do not quit. Please keep making podcasts. And I agree with Jason. Uh, oh, was it not Jason? Hmm. Richter. I'll go by his last name. I can't remember his first name. I'm a, Joe. Dang it. Joe, my partner's name is Josh. Remember that. Anyway, um, keep up the good work, man. Keep doing it. I love your unboxings. That's one of my favorites. I, I wish you had uh, a few more segments, opinion on gaming. I do like when you recap games. And so, anyway, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I don't see a reason to quit at all unless you just get tired of it. Don't quit on any other reason because I love it, man. And uh, you're some really good dude. So, just like uh, Joe Richter said, I do it for the. I'm doing it fine. I'm liking the people that I'm meeting, even the ones I'm like to debate and go back and forth is really cool so keep it up man bye hey randy thank you for those kind words i'm not i don't plan on going anywhere anytime real soon as far as more gaming segments definitely you're getting a little bit of that today and you'll definitely get more in the future as far as not remembering your partner's name actually you didn't remember joe richter's name there for a second um i'm sure mr richter isn't going to be too bothered by that but yeah, Joe might be a little bot. Your Joe from Biggest Geekus might be a little bu- bugged by that. As far as TJ Drennan, yeah, he used to do a Patreon where he did music stuff. I don't know what his current status is as far as projects. The one podcast that he's updated semi recently is Melodious Miasma Meltdown. So if you go to Anchor Melodious Miasma Meltdown. You could probably leave him a message. That might be the best way to reach out to him and um, see what his status is as far as projects go. And and anybody else. I mean, I, you, you know, if you're interested in getting some TJ Drennan music, you may want to check that out. 
I, I know I, I did, you know, compensate him for the effort he put into my songs. So um, I, I, I will throw that out there as well. Okay, let's get to our next caller. Hey, Jason. Daniel of Bandits Keep. I'm uh, just starting to listen to your science fiction uh, episode. And, uh, yeah, I think I lean uh, more towards science fantasy, personally. Um, and I also like my fantasy to have some science in it. So... <laughs> You know, I like the idea of this, like, mixture of technology and magic or strange, uh, you know, psionic powers and things like that. Um, that That's the kind of science fiction I generally like. Uh, I've been running Coriolis for a while, and that's very interesting. I don't know where that would fall, to be honest. It's a little bit harder, I guess. Uh, but they do have, you know, certain, you know, kind of monstrous races, for lack of... Not that many of them that live on certain planets, Um so that could be considered maybe fantasy. And they also, there's a very minimal uh, kind of a psionic element. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to listening to the rest of the episode. As far as crunch and rule sets, I think no matter if you're going science fiction or fantasy or any kind of uh, game, I think if you plan on playing a longer campaign, having more detail is just very useful. And personally, if I'm doing a one-shot or I'm not going to be super invested... I don't want to have a deep rule set that it's going to take me too much time to learn. So, but if I had to choose, I would say science fantasy could probably go with a lighter rule set than science fiction. You know, using your basic uh, description there, because if you're getting into the hard sci-fi, you want things to be nailed down, right? How does the blaster pistol work? What's its range? Blah blah blah. But if you're doing science fantasy, I think you can be a lot looser with uh, with those kind of things. At least that's how I kind of look at it. Of course, that was Daniel, the Bandits Keep Media Empire. And yeah, Daniel, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. I think our sensibilities are pretty close on this for the most part. You can do a little bit lighter rules with science fantasy. And my likes are, are much closer to yours, I think. I definitely prefer science fantasy a, a little bit more, although I'll happily play either. And, and I'll go in depth a little bit more into different rule systems after our next caller. Thank you so much for that call, Daniel. Oh, wow, now I think I get the SNL skit I saw the other day with Kate McKinnon. It's called Murder Dirter, and they kind of made fun of Pennsylvania and rural Pennsylvania and a cop drama set in rural Pennsylvania. Uh, Now I get it. I guess it's based off of what you were just talking about. At first, I thought you were giving me a summary of your world, uh, what is it called, world Bible for minivans and motorcycles, but I guess not yet. And I guess as far as recaps go, well, for my sh- in my show, that's all I have right now. And that's what's inspiring me to podcast. I mean, I do recaps, but then I throw other commentary in. And I don't know if that's good or bad yet. We'll find out. Um, what my listenership, as small as it is, is, as small as it is right now, thinks, right? Ah, yes, no doubt. I I haven't watched Saturday Night Live for many, many, <laughs> well, for decades. Um, so I I think the last time I really watched Saturday Night Live, Eddie Murphy was on there. I, I remember watching with my dad this wonderful skit from Mister Robinson's Neighborhood, where. You know, he said, today's word, boys and girls, is damn. 
Say damn to your mom. If she slaps you, you said it right. But yeah, I, I'm not sure I've watched it since that era, Saturday Night Live. But yeah, no doubt they were talking about Mayor of Easttown, which is what Carl's referring to, which is an HBO Max show with um, Kate Winslet. And, and it's a really, really, um, I, well, what's the word I want? Depressing show, I guess. There's not a whole lot of smiles and laughs in these episodes. It's down, dirty, gritty, you know, real life drug use, you know, family problems, just really serious show that not the kind of show I would normally watch. But like I say, since it was filmed kind of where I grew up, it's of interest to me. If it hadn't been filmed where I grew up, then I I probably wouldn't follow it. The last episode actually is on tonight as I'm filming this show. So I'll, or filming this show as I'm recording this episode. So I'll watch the last episode, but yeah, it's hard to recommend to anybody. Like I say, it's got a personal interest to me, but I'm not sure that I recommend other people watch it. Um, as far as the recaps go, hey Carl, your recaps are great, and 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 you you've threatened with threatened us with talking about heavy metal music and beer reviews and some other things. So I would be interested in um, your thoughts on that. I would also be interested in in your thoughts on play by post, Carl. And I guess I should be calling into your show, giving these recommendations, but. You know, you mentioned this on my show, so I'm answering the call in. But yeah, everybody, if you haven't checked out the GMologist Presents, go check it out. It's Carl's new show, and um, I think there's a lot going to happen there. But let's listen to Carl's thoughts on sci-fi, sci-fantasy games, and then I'll launch in my final segment where I talk about science fiction, science fantasy games, or rule systems. I personally would prefer science fiction, but it seems that players want more science fantasy. Um, I like hard sci-fi. The near future would be a really fun and ideal campaign for me to run, but trying to find the right near future campaign setting is a challenge. Um, I'd love to try Expanse. It is hard sci-fi, but it does have some, I guess, I don't know, some fantasy, I don't know, space opera elements, let's say, not really fantasy, space opera elements with aliens, um, although the aliens are um, mysterious, enigmatic, who knows what they want, and you only find alien ruins, no actual aliens to trade with. Right, I guess that's my dis- other s- distinction, right, between hard sci-fi and space opera. Space opera, you have technology that is more fanciful than based on hard science facts, right? So faster than light travel. Uh, Anyway, the other cool setting I think that could work for um, a hard sci-fi would be Transhuman Space. It's a GURPS product. I think I have everything because I ran a, a GURPS or I, I ran a Transhuman Space campaign that I've mentioned before with a Hero um, system. So I have everything for that for sure. So that'd be my other go-to. Most of the things are kind of, like I said, space opera or even space fantasy, like you say. 
and maybe that's why among the players that I associate with, there is less enthusiasm to run a hard sci-fi game, right? That attention to detail, that crunchiness. I mean, you're thinking inspiration, or you're taking inspiration from movies like Gravity. Um, so who knows? We'll see what will come around next. Um, people want action, more opera and fantasy, I think. And that's not to say that you can't have action in a hard sci-fi setting, but I believe it's more of a slow burn. Um, it tends to be more down to earth and like I said, gritty. There's no, you know, laser swords and blasters, laser swords cutting and blasters firing all over the place, right? It's sneaking into somewhere, doing a an extraction, not, you know, threatening to shoot people instead of shooting people, right? This is different, a different, totally different vibe. And I definitely think that you get it, Jason, and maybe you can bring others into the fold. Interesting thoughts, Carl. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would happily play science fiction, a hard science fiction game with you. And, you, you know, we're kind of trying that. My, you know, preference has always been for the more lighthearted gonzo kind of games, right? As far as science opera goes, I think that's a subgenre or maybe a play style or a campaign style. I think you could do science opera, either science fantasy or science fiction. I don't think it belongs in either camp. I think it could go either way. I think it's more a, a subgenre describing the kind of story you're telling and the way you're storytelling, right? And the same thing with, like, you're describing action or espionage. I think you can have a really action-packed, hard, hard sci-fi game. You know, if we're doing, say, Aliens off the movie, that can be really action-packed, but I think Aliens, the movie, is much more of a... It falls in the science fiction camp as opposed to science fantasy. Where, yeah, I, I definitely think that. And, and I would say a movie like Total Recall, although it's over the top a little bit, of course, there's only one Total Recall movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But when we look at Total Recall, I, I think that also really is science fiction. Um, I don't think there are really any fantasy elements shown in Total Recall. I, I think that's a science fiction world. So, yeah, I, I think you can do hardcore, full-blown action games. But I do think the results need to be more serious. So I think if you're doing that hardcore science fiction action game, there's that chance that, you know, a shot might tear that spacesuit, and if they don't put duct tape over that hole or something pretty quick, you know, they're they're a goner. So I think you could have those realistic elements in there and still have it be science fiction. But thank you so much for those calls, interesting thoughts, and I would definitely play any of these these games with you. So let's get on to my thoughts about rules for science fiction and science fantasy games. Daniel brings up an interesting point about 
the length of rules or the amount of detail in the rules and science fantasy versus science fiction, which might seem counterintuitive. So Daniel posited, and I agreed, that you could use a quote-unquote less crunchy rule system or a less detailed rule system for science fantasy. And at first, that might seem a little counterintuitive because with science fantasy, we need to replicate, I don't know, magic and dinosaurs and crazy aliens and psionic powers and all kinds of weird stuff where with science fiction, you don't have those things. But with science fiction, what we do have are or we do have is the desire to be able to have mechanics to play out different gravity on different planets. We want the mechanics to support your movement rate and your dexterity checks being different on different different gra- in different gravity, right? We want to show where that spacesuit gets torn and and what you have to do to try to survive. We, you know, so there's a lot more detail in those kind of things. And I think science fantasy, you could have a pilot skill that lets you do everything from repairing the ship to navigating the stars to flying it. Where in science fiction, we probably want a navigate skill and a mechanic skill and a, you know, we want to differentiate between all these things. That's why with science fantasy, if you're playing a, a one shot or a, or, you know, two or three game session or three, two or three game, three, <laughs> I can't talk two or three session game, then we can use a one-shot rules. Damn it. You can get away with running a one-shot or a two or three session game with a one-page rule set, like, say, Lasers and Feelings. I think for science fiction, even in a one-shot or even in in an adventure that only lasts a couple sessions, you're going to want more detail than you get in a, a rule set like Lasers and Feelings. So I think that is true. Now, that said, I think you can easily do use a much more detailed and complex rule set to run science fantasy. So I don't think there's a limit on that end. I think when we look at some of the classic rule sets, and I'll talk mainly about the ones I have familiarity with, you know, they'll probably lend themselves either way. So Traveler may be the earliest science fiction game I play. Well, that's not true earliest game of this sort I've played is probably Gamma World. I, I think Gamma World safe to say. And, you know, Gamma World, I realize that's, it was very definitely science fantasy, right? Or, you know, you might say the earlier iteration of Metamorphosis Alpha. And again, we're talking something that's very definitely science fantasy. Um, and, and those are, you know, pretty detailed rules for what they are. And they're decent games for what they are. I think when we look at Traveler, probably the next game, science fiction game I played, or science fantasy game I played, Traveler, the the implied world of Traveler is science fiction, hard science fiction. But we can play science fantasy with the Traveler rules. I would argue they're not ideal for science fantasy, but you can do it with them. Um, you could easily you know, expand on the psionic rules to do magic. Or, you know, these days, especially these days, there are tons of games out there that use Traveler, the base Traveler 2D6 rule set and have expanded out to fantasy and, you know, post-apocalyptic and sword and sorcery, like Barbaric, for example, 
is a game that uses the travel the base traveler system and uses it to play a game that's sword and sorcery so these days you could easily use traveler to play science fantasy but i think the implied setting is science fiction star wars 2d6 i i've played star frontiers before i played that star frontiers i think is very definitely a science fantasy game as it comes but i think you could do science fiction with star frontiers Star Wars, D- the D- the West End Games D6 system, which is now out there, is D6 Space, I guess, is free. Yeah, D6 Space, I believe is what it's called. You can do either one. The implied setting in the Star Wars universe is science fantasy, but you could definitely play a hard sci-fi game using the 2D6 system. You know, maybe a tweak here or there, but, but for the most part, D6 will do it. The D6 system is a pretty versatile system. It's a pretty darn good system, actually. You could use one variant, one or another variant of the D100 system to easily do any of these things as well. So if you want to use BRP, you could easily play it either way. Savage Worlds, you could do it either way. Although Savage Worlds, I think, lends itself easier to science fantasy with exploding die mechanics and the the you know the meta game mechanics of Benny's and all that. I think it definitely. Savage Worlds is more of a cinematic game, which is probably going to be closer to science fantasy. But you can do science fiction with it. ICRPG, I think, is more versatile than people give it credit for. You could do either with ICRPG, although the warp shell setting, um, or warp space, warp shell. Hmm. Now, now I need to go and look at my ICRPG book. But anyway, the the sci-fi setting that comes with ICRPG in the base game and in the world's book is science fantasy without a doubt. But if if you scaled back some things, I think you could easily set a hard sci-fi game using ICRPG rules. And I think it would run perfectly fine. So, yeah, I, I don't think you're limited by the rules either way. Um, 2D20, look at that. Uh, I, I think 2D20, again, once you add in the... Me- a metagame mechanic in there, it probably is going to veer more towards a fantasy type game. But, you know, you could probably do... I, I don't know. I haven't played enough 2D20 to, to say. 2D20 feels to me more like it would be a science fantasy game. But I'll leave that to people who have actually, you know, played it more. But But I think you could easily use any of these rules out there to do... Probably do either one. Science fantasy, of course, is more adaptable of them. Because we're not worried so much about doing things like, you know, the atmosphere composition of the world and the gravity of the world and how the gravity of the world affects what we do and breaking down the the ship, you know, your your piloting and navigation and breaking all that down in minute de- detail. But but you could, but but I don't, and, and those are the things that kind of push me away a little bit. I think. I'd be happy to play in a game that, you know, does all that. I don't know if I really want to run a game that does all that. Which is kind of funny because I, you know, sing the virtues of Space Master. I've read Space Master. I haven't played it. I, I Hopefully Barry over at Shadow of the Gym is going to run Space Master here soon. And I'll get to play it with him. But I think Space Master, again, you could do either one with it. The default is probably well i think the default setting is more science fiction 
but you could do science fantasy with with it without a problem. Um, Cyberpunk twenty twenty when you when you look at that look at the um oh what's their their factory system called shoot anyway when you look at Cyberpunk twenty twenty you you know that game that's science fiction right Cy- Cyberpunk is science fiction and I think Cyberpunk twenty twenty is very much a gritty game and you could easily do something like Blade Runner you know in in a Cyberpunk world much more so than say Shadowrun. I mean, obviously, you can take Shadowrun, you can strip all the supernatural stuff out of it, but why would you when there's a much superior cyberpunk system to to use, right? Interlock, that's the game system used for Cyberpunk 2020. And you can find further adaptations to use Interlock in other genres as well. So those rules are all out there. Um, I don't know that I would use Interlock for, like, high fantasy, but you could definitely run a Western with Interlock without a problem or a modern like mercenary game or something without a problem. So I don't think the rules are going to be our limitation here. I think as Carl very astutely pointed out, it's going to be more your players. Because with the rules, pretty much all these rule sets, although more detail is better for science fiction because you want to catch that minutia, right? Like I talk about that gravity example. You, you know, you want to be able to catch that, or maybe you want to, you, you know, be able to plot out this inner, the faster and light speeds of the different ships, excuse me, different things like that. And, and you could, and say you start playing one, one genre, you could pr- possibly go to the other. If you start the game as a science fiction game, I don't know that you could easily strip out the, you know, th- as the campaign goes on, strip out the fantasy elements and make it straight sci-fi unless you did something like um deep deep space nine or as a voyager i guess a voyager where you pop into a different part of the galaxy and, and all of a sudden your magic and psionics don't work but you could do a science fan i mean a science fiction game that morphs into science fantasy we see that quite a bit where everything seems normal and then more fantastic elements are added we see that in a lot of fiction although i've not watched or read all the expanse my understanding is that's the way the expanse is kind of gone more towards that science fantasy realm but so it's not the game system it's the players because what players want to play i i think though carl you got players that are willing to play science fiction and the hard science fiction you you know i know arlen is willing to try that i'm willing to try it Uh, matt seems very happy to do it so so i don't think you're being hindered by the by the players it's just us getting together so i definitely look forward as to do more of these games um and like i say i don't think so what do you guys think do do you think the rules really matter do do you think science fiction does need the more detail you know to to compensate for or to mimic gravity to to map that out do you think that carl's right that you can't have shoot 'em ups that's not fair. That's not what Carl said. But do you think that that having a lot of a lot of action is detrimental in a science fiction game, a hard sci-fi game? I'm I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Um, I I will probably do one inst- more installment on this series. We'll talk about. I'm not sure what I'll talk about. We're gonna see what the calls come in. So I might do one more installment right away, or it might be postponed until I get some calls. I answer those, and they might spin off into 
finishing this little delve into science fiction and science fantasy. And then we'll go off in another direction. Or maybe I'll get back to what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's talking about bar fights. So look forward in the next couple episodes to that big bar fight episode that I promised everybody. So it's time for me to get back and do the things I promised you guys I would do. But that's all I have for today. If you have any comments, questions, complaints, you can leave a message on the Anchor app. You can email me at nerdsrpgvarietycast at gmail.com. If you attach a message, I'll play it on the show and make you famous. Maybe next time I'll even have an unboxing for Daniel. We'll see. But that's all I have for you. The other way, of course, you can reach me is you can find me on the Audio Dungeon Discord. But for now, I'm going to let you go. I hope everybody's doing okay. I want to thank all my callers. Thank you so much. You can find their contact info in the show notes. I want to thank Ray Otis for the art. TJ Drennan for the music. And with that, I wish you all a good day. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Maybe it's your auntie or a joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fiddle shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some more, bring on the there is a dustman in your moil's body tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are rising and the world is gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck